now on Radio Italia Uno, it's time to change the world with Matt McQuinley. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. We focus on changing the world for the better by taking personal responsibility, canceling cancel culture, discussing and listening to each other on topics like leadership, cultural trends, business, history, and more. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Right now on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. Our guest today is Alice Cooper. And Alice is an educator with 21 years of experience in the trenches. Uh, she has a bachelor's in education from uh, University of South Australia as well as a master's. She's the daughter of Peter Coombe, uh, the entertainer who is affectionately known as the king of kids. She's had lots of it. Uh, we've had lots and lots of educators on it and administrators and principals and deans and consultants and so on on the show. But today I, I really want to talk to somebody who's actually at the coal face. You know, we want to talk to an actual foot soldier who's in the field now about what is going on in education in Australia and what's different in education now than 21 years ago when she started. Hello, Alice. Uh, we're so happy to have you here today. Thanks for being here. Hi. Thanks for having me. And just to clarify, it's Alice Coombe, not Alice Cooper. Did I say Alice Cooper? <laughs> I thought you were making I, a joke. <laughs> no, I'm looking, I'm looking at the board and it's playing music. And I, yes, all of a sudden you're going to go, they're poison. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're going to grab the mic and start singing there. Sure. You, didn't, you didn't wear any black and you don't have any no. tattoos, so I don't know how that's going to go. But, but I'm sure it'll be good. You know, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah, give it a so, go. Yeah, but I said Alice Cooper—that's hilarious. Okay, well, uh, anyway, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and and why you became an educator? Yeah, well, I think uh, teaching has been in our family. It's a big part of our family. There's actually four out of the six of us are teachers in our in our family, um, and my dad. Dad was a teacher, so mm. Peter Coombe, he um, started out teaching um, before he went into music and, and composing and doing what he does now. Um, and so I think I, I, I guess I developed that passion from him, you know, loving working with kids and um, just loving um, music and um, entertaining them and, and teaching them music and, like, just really enjoying what I can do with kids with, with the music. So I think... Yeah, he really it rubbed off on me a lot. I think I resisted it for a few years when I was a teenager, and then I came back to it later on and ended up becoming a music teacher. So, mm. yeah. Wow. So yeah. you you uh, you're you're doing both ends of the spectrum right now as an educator, though you're working in Linden Primary with mm. with young ki little kids. Yeah. And you're also teaching at university. Yeah, that's right. Got both ends of the spectrum. So I teach um, predominantly junior primary at Linden Park. Um, they're lovely, five to eight-year-olds, um, and then right up to um, tertiary students where I teach the pre-service teachers um, arts education so and, and mostly music. Um, so I'm sort of teaching them behind the scenes of um, what to do when they get out there teaching music. Um, so I, I really enjoy both ends of the spectrum, getting to, to do the nuts and bolts of the job and then also the behind the scenes and passing on, I guess, my skills and experience to, to others and being a mentor. Yeah, tell me a little bit, what's the difference between being a teacher for primary kids? And I mean, you mentioned mentoring a little bit and the, and the, and the uh, university kids. What's, 
Can you tell me? Because I, I find that a bit intriguing. That, yeah. That, you know, you're going way. Back and forth. Way, yeah. Way yeah, both directions. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, mentor, the mentoring part is, um, I think it's quite satisfying. I think I get students that come to me and they say, oh, I can't sing. I can't play any instruments. I'm really nervous about this. I can't do this in front of kids. And um, they go away going, oh, okay. So this is quite achievable. I can actually do these. Uh, I can do these things. And I try to make it quite... Um, unintimidating for them so they can go away with a repertoire of, of things they can do with their future students. Um, so, yeah, and then the other end of it is um, just the joy from um, seeing children's faces light up, I think, when you... Um, it's a beautiful age to teach, you know, five to eight-year-olds. They just soak it all in and, and enjoy everything that I have to offer them, which is nice. Um, so, yeah, I just really enjoy the contrast between those two two roles. Mm. So you're saying you don't whack them with the yardstick uh, like yeah. in the old days if they don't <laughs> get it. That's illegal now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, none of that, no. So, so your job is encouraging them, basically. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's gone to the days when, yeah, teachers are whipping the kids with a ruler over the, their fingers when they play the wrong notes on the piano. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't do that anymore. Well, that's one of the things that's different. Why don't you tell us about some of the other things that are different in education Yeah, uh, that you see in the last... Uh, the the last uh, 21 years that's different? Yeah, I think um, one of the big things that I've really noticed in my 21 years of teaching is, is the technology of it. I think it's had a huge impact, and I know it's had a huge impact on society in all fields of work, but um, in terms of education, just the internet is, is huge. You know, kids are, I mean, moving away and away from, from libraries and books, which is a bit sad, but um, now they have information that they're, you know, tap of the finger and um, I think you know children's skills are at the iPads and, and laptops are phenomenal even when they start school at the age of five they already know what they're doing because mm. they've been playing around with their parents iPhones for the last few years um, I think you know, one thing that's sad is that you just don't see kids out as, as active as they used to be, you know, particularly in high schools when they're allowed to have their phones with them. Mm. Um, you know, at lunch times and recess, they're out there watching TikTok videos and, you know, sharing YouTube clips. And um, Whereas 20 years ago, they were play, playing soccer and footy and, and um, talking to each other, actual talking. Um, I, I think... Yeah, so that's I think that's really influenced um, education quite a lot. Obviously, technology's got some amazing amazing benefits to it, but it's um, there's sort of two sides to that. Um, and another another thing that I think has really changed in the last sort of twenty years is is the, the, the education itself has become perhaps less content driven and a bit more um, focused now on sort of skills. You know, the skills that you learn through education. You know, like your social skills, your teamwork, you know, acceptance of others, you know, learning how to regulate your own behaviour, um, communication, resilience is huge, um, you know, critical thinking and I think there's a big wave of, of you know, well-being now, knowing just how important that is. Um, um, it, with children these days with, you know, lots, much more complex needs that they they have um, than I think they did probably 20-odd years ago. Um I think also we've um, the curriculum itself has become a lot more like inquiry based. It's less like you know the teacher standing at the front saying I'm going to teach you this today um, and sort of lecturing. And it's more um, you know getting like, students are much more involved in their own learning. It's a lot more student led than it ever used to be. Um, you know they come up with their own wonderings and questions and and yeah. So I mean Lyndon Park is a um, international baccalaureate school, so we we um, accredited to teach the inquiry program through the IB and 
um, yeah, it's all very, very much about learning how to problem solve and, and, you know, rather than saying, well, this is, here's a maths problem, I'm going to tell you how to work it out and then you can work it out and get the, the, the answer. You say, how, how, what, how might you tackle this? You know, what kind of ways, what strategies could you see to tackle this question? So you're getting kids to really um, problem solve themselves, like problem solve how they're going to problem solve the question. So um, I think that's really changed a lot and that can be a really, a really positive thing. It sort of gets kids thinking a lot more deeply, I think, than just memorising facts, which is what I remember doing when I was in high school particularly. Um, just memorising things for exams and things, that was a big focus. Um, so things have changed a lot now. There's a lot more choices, I think, in the subject areas in high school too, you know, when going moving up into high school. Um, yeah, so things have, things have changed dramatically, I would say, in mm. the last 20 years. And smart boards, I mean, smart boards change your life as well, um, working with that every day. You can't live without one anymore. When I first used one, I had to get a 12-year-old to teach me how to use it. <laughs> I saw a cartoon just yet, just today that uh, the father's feeding his uh, son, and uh, the caption underneath says, now I'm going to teach you how to use a nut for a spoon, and after this, you're going to teach me how to use the computer. <laughs> Sounds like a good deal. So, <laughs> so that's interesting. Um, the, the, uh, when you talked about this inquiry program, um, Tell us a little bit more about that, how it's structured, and how do you get the kids to engage? You know, I mean, because if you're saying, well, I, mean, I could see, you know, you're saying, okay, how, how would you go about solving this problem? And then you hear the sound of crickets. <laughs> so how, how do you get the, the, the kids engaged? Yeah, well, it normally starts with a, like a pre-assessment, you know, where you, where you um, get kids to write or draw, depending on what age they are, um, what they might know about a particular topic or theme. Um, and then that gives the teacher quite a good understanding of where they're at. So then you know you've got a bit of a starting point. Um, and then, um, you know, they might come up with their own questions that they would like to know and their own own wonderings. You have wonder walls and, um, and things like that around the classroom just to inspire and encourage thinking and deeper thinking. So it's just, yeah, getting away from this is what we're going to learn. I'm going to teach you this whether you like it or not. You know, yeah. it's um, you're, you're, the students have input um, and I think it makes them a lot more involved and, and engaged in their own learning when they've had some say over what they're going to be doing. I mean, there are obviously certain things in the curriculum that they need to know, they need to learn, you know, in, in maths and, you know, in, in, in English and other subjects. But, um, but there is a lot of, they get a lot more, like, leeway, I guess, than they, than they used to um, many years ago. So mm. I think that's really changed. And a wonder wall is, like, if you're going to be talking about the planets or whatever that day, you've got a, yeah. a picture of the solar system on the on the wall, or is, is that basically is that what a well, yeah, well, is? a kid might you know wonder things like, um, oh, how do we know there aren't more planets out there, or you know, mm -hmm. you know, how far away is this planet, and and you know, that's the questions that they might want to know about, and then the teacher can kind of tap into those and um, create a program which is including their own interests and. You know, if a child's interested in what their teacher is is putting together, they're they're much more likely to be engaged in what they're learning. So, mm. it's a bit more um, like well, teacher and you know, teacher is the guide and the facilitator, um, and the, the the child is 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 really participating in their own, their own, the, the program themselves. So. Mm. Well, mm. yeah, I've always I, I think that's a great point, and I've always felt that. You know that learning should be fun, and and it can be fun if it's presented the right way. You go to where they are, and and 
figure out what they like, and that that way you can get them engaged. And it sounds like that's the way that it's heading. So we're going to be back with in just a little bit here with Alice Coombe. Uh, you're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. attività? Vuoi aumentare il tuo volume di affari? Non sai a chi rivolgerti? Chiama Radio Italia 1. Il nostro staff commerciale è a disposizione per ogni informazione o preventivo personalizzato. Chiama all'82123177. Radio Italia 1. E anche tu sarai un numero uno. Looking for a new coffee machine for your home or workplace? Look no further than Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your experts in all things coffee. Why not come in for a chat and a special coffee tasting? You'll find us at 264 Gilbert Street in the city. Mention Radio Italia Uno and you will receive a free 250-gram bag of freshly roasted coffee beans. You can also shop online at www.fccoffee.com.au where you'll find our large range of premium roasted coffee beans, coffee machines, accessories, hot chocolates, teas and lots, lots more. I'm Danielle from Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your one-stop shop for all things caffeine. Ti ricordi che fra non molto ci sarà la festa del papà? Cara Silvia, lo so. Cosa dobbiamo fare? Ebbene, Radio Italia 1, per l'occasione, organizza un pranzo a San Giorgio La Molara. Oh wow, adoro quel club. E cosa c'è nel menù? Antipasto, pasta, petti di pollo mignon, dolce caffè e le bevande sono ottenibili al bar a prezzi modici. Ah, un pranzo veramente delizioso. Sì, è vero. E costa solo 55 dollari per adulti e 30 per bambini, che avranno a disposizione tanti divertimenti. Ah, che bel modo di celebrare la festa del papà domenica 4 settembre al San Giorgio La Molara. Puoi prenotare chiamando all'ufficio di Radio Italia 1 al numero 821 23 177 oppure contattando qualsiasi membro del comitato. Ok, chiamiamo subito e prenotiamo. Radio Italia 1 invita i propri tesserati, ascoltatori e sostenitori a rinnovare la tessera annuale Amici Radio Italia 1. L'invito è esteso anche a tutti coloro che non sono mai stati soci sostenendo così la radio. Il vostro sostegno è essenziale per mantenere sempre viva la voce di Radio Italia 1 che vi giunge direttamente nelle vostre case. Radio Italia 1, la radio del futuro, la radio della comunità italiana. Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno 87.6 FM We're back We're back with Alice Educator Extraordinaire uh, we're gonna, We were just in the last session talking about uh, some of the uh, ways that she engages students and how education has moved away from uh, rote learning in Australia to more of an inquiry-based program. Uh, would you like to add a little bit more on, uh, uh, you know, expand on that for us a little bit, please? Yeah, well, I was going to say with the inquiry program, um, it's less about sort of topics and themes and more about concepts. Um, so um, children will learn that there's like six di- transdisciplinary themes 
um, that they learn throughout the year, and they actually learn those throughout the year of reception one, two, three, four, five, six. So it's it, they do those transdisciplinary themes every um, every year. They just sort of change the curriculum changes uh, as they get older, but. You know, and it's things like who we are, um, sharing the planet, how we express ourselves, where we are in place and time, how we organise ourselves and uh, how the world works. So you can imagine, you know, how we express ourselves is a great one that I can tap into with my music. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's very collaborative. So all the teachers will plan together and the um, the PE teacher and the art teacher and the music and the, the French teacher will sort of will plan together so that um, we can make sure we're fitting in with what, what they're doing. Um, and yeah, it's it's more sort of concept based rather than content as well. So you can um, have say function could could be part of a science uh, topic that you're doing, or it could be part of a music topic. I could be looking at um, what's the function of notation and music. You know, the function is that it tells us what we need to play, whereas the function of um, a piece of machinery is, is to you know to do a job for us. So you know you can you can apply that concept to many many different areas. So. Um, it's just more broad. That's why we call it transdisciplinary. Um, and then the other thing is that uh, we're trying to get children to um, strive for certain learner profiles, like sort of attributes of a, of a learner. So they might be an inquirer or a communicator or they're being principled or knowledgeable or courageous or reflective. So they're trying to sort of promote promote those skills through through the learning that they're doing um, through these themes. So there's quite a lot. You know, when I work, first started working in um, in the PYP school, the IB school, it's um, it's a lot to take on and I'm still learning so much from it. But it's um, becoming more and more popular, I would say, across Australia and the world. Well, it sounds to me, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but it sounds to me like what you're saying is uh, educators in Australia now are more... Um, focused on um, what they're picking up a lot of extra responsibilities as far as, you know, uh, teaching them, teaching young people, uh, you know, morals, it sounds like almost, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, and and community, uh, you know, where they fit into the community and how they should fit into the community. Um, And uh, the bigger questions. You know, so uh, is that accurate? Is there a lot more of that than there was 21 years ago? Because that's what it sounds like. Yeah, I think so. It's sort of getting children to see where they fit in with society and and, what kind of, how can they make a difference? Um, Whereas I think, you know, maybe more than 20 years ago, it was um, school, school, school curriculum could seem quite sort of separate from real life in a way so now mm-hmm. it's a little a lot more connected to to real life experiences do you think that's because you know maybe uh the family unit isn't as strong as it was 30 40 years ago because there's more divorces or because churches are less involved or i mean why are the schools have to you know go from uh, why do you think they made this change from you know teaching you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic, as we'd say, you know, in the South, uh, to more uh, of the this holistic approach? I think, you know, the research is, shows that, um, you know, it's better for their brains to um, think in a, in a more deep way and, and to feel it's more relevant to, um, to their life. Um, yeah, I think it's just the way that society has changed. But, yeah, we did talk about society has changed a lot, hasn't it, with um, 
think about the complexities of students, you know, now compared to, you know, it's another thing that's changed. I think there's a lot more um, social um, issues and, um, you know, problems at home and, and um, complex learning needs that we, we're dealing with and teachers are dealing with all the time. And I think that's only increased in the last 20 years and teachers are, I know they're getting more and more stressed. You know, mm. I see it around me all the time. Um, they're just feeling overworked and, you know, sort of underpaid and um, I don't want to complain, but <laughs> mm-hmm. I love my job. Um, but, you know, there is a lot of that sort of low morale going around and I, I, mean, I don't think COVID has helped either. I mm-hmm. think that's made, you know, put a lot of strain on, on the teaching profession as well as many, many professions. Um, but I think, yeah, some of those complex needs. Also a lot of... Um, I guess, hoops you've got to jump through as a teacher these days. Um, you know, risk assessments for every single thing that ever happens. You know, if we have a visitor come to our school to, to present a talk, you know, they've got to have their working with children check and they <laughs> often they have to do their um, responding to abuse and neglect course as well um, if they're going to be spending some time with children because um, they'll, they'll be mandated to report if they notice something um, that's not, not right with the ch- a child. So um, I think it makes it harder and harder to, to be a teacher, really, um, with the, the number of um, bureaucracy that goes on with all of that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want to talk about that, but I want to wind back just a second, something you said earlier and, and about uh, it, it seems like we're going do – you, do you think that – that society's just expecting more from schools to for the and parents are expecting uh, the schools to raise their children, yeah. and, and, you know, and that's why you've got to do all this. Or do you think it's going more towards you know the Aristotelian uh, you know idea that you know the purpose of education is to learn how to think. Not necessarily memorize, but think. Yeah, you know? yeah. Or, or is it both? I think I think it's both. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I do. I do think that we're um, when people are looking for someone for a particular job now, they're looking at somebody who's good at managing people, good at good at um, relating to people and communicating and um, dealing. You know, dealing with complex problems. It's not necessarily you know the content of their job because they can they can read up on things you know at night and and catch up on information. But I think it's it's how they deal with people. That's a that's not an easy skill to just have. So that's where I guess education um, comes in. Um, what was the first part that you said for that, those choices? <laughs> well, I was I was just saying, is it more like Aristotle? Uh, you know, the whole idea of you want to t- the purpose of education is to teach the kid to think, yeah, not, not yeah. to necessarily teach him something, but teach them, yeah, uh, to to think for themselves. You know, yeah. teach him to fish rather than fish for him. Yeah, that's know. right. That's right. Yeah, mm. and you know, getting kids to be curious, I think, is is important. They they want to know things themselves, and not just because you told them. Well, that's key, yeah, is to instill the love of learning. Yeah, you know, Hopefully yeah. that lasts their whole life. Well, that's it. It's lifelong. Yeah. Um, and you kind of hinted at this, so let's dig into it a little bit be- uh, deeper. But teachers seem to be leaving in droves. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of challenges they have now. What, what do you think about that? And, and is there a way to fix that? I mean, is it is it uh, that the... You know, I, I don't want to sound like an old guy, but is it like these kids today? They don't know how <laughs> tough it is. They're just being soft. Or is there legitimate things? I mean, uh, that you feel should change. I mean, well, tell us a, where you're coming from on that one. Yeah, well, I think yeah, kids' issues are more complex. I think um, you know some some of the the new ways of learning is probably causes some um, 
you know, more challenges for teachers. I mean, you know, we used to have corporal punishment. I remember in mm. um, 1981 being hit on the hand with a ruler because I was talking. Mm. I never talked again. Mm. But you get kids now and we get, you know, you got your warning, then you got your time out. And if it gets really bad, they go, they have a little chat with somebody in a different class. And there's just no, it's like there's no fear anymore for kids. So I, I think that kids, I think they play out more than they used to. Um, and I think back on a point you said earlier, like parents are expecting the school to sort of almost bring up their kids um, rather than, um, you know, the, the parents are the primary influences in the end and the school's the secondary. So, um, you know, I think parents have high expectations that our, the teachers are going to sort of manage their child and, and turn them into a really good person. Um, and it puts a lot of pressure, I think, on on on, t- on teachers. And I th- I feel like, you know, even thirty years ago, parents had a lot more maybe respect for teachers. They just, oh yes, whatever you think is the right thing, that's fine. I respect you. I, you know, I I believe what you what you think. But now they're sort of saying, oh no, I want you to do this. I want you to fix this. And can't you give them more spelling words? And can't you? You need to put them on a higher level. You know, you know, there's not that level of respect anymore. I think it, that's changed. Mm. Um, not to criticise all the parents out there, but I think, you know, it, it is easy to do that. Oh, my child is better than this. So they should be on a higher reading level and that can be, um, that can be quite tricky. Mm. Mm. But, but, that, but so you're saying that a lot of the parents are saying push my kid harder. Oh, yeah. Oh, they want their kid to be pushed, yeah. I mean, we're, we're at a very high-achieving school, I yeah. would say. And I, I think there are other schools that it's, it's different, but, um, but this school is all about the high-band kids sort of striving for – higher results and and you know we do very well in that plan and the the pat testing and everything so you know they they do have very high expectations um and you know we have a large proportion of chinese and indian students and you know they have they do have a reputation of pushing their kids pretty hard and they, mm-hmm. on the weekends they're going to kumon math school chinese school korean school mm-hmm. um you know music lessons and and all and everything else they don't get a lot of break and a lot of play mm. time which i think Sometimes is a bit sad. They don't get much downtime. Mm. Well, mm. I mean, I, yeah, I could see that. Obviously, they need to be balanced, you know. But yeah, but it's better than the parents coming in saying, you know, <laughs> my, you know, why did you fail my little Johnny? You know, he, yeah, he, you know. But uh, I, I don't know. What do you see? So there's not a lot of a lot of the engagement that you see with parents is that. You, them wanting uh, teachers to push their kids harder. That's what you're seeing. Yeah, I do see. I do see a lot of that. Yeah. Do yeah. you think that's happening in other school and in more of a? Uh, I, I don't want. I, Linden Park does really, really well mm. uh, in all the testing. Do you think that's the case in more of a quote unquote average school? Probably less so. Mm. I think. Um, yeah, and, and and the other thing is that pe- parents are all working. Two, you know, mm. two two um, parents working these days. So, um, you know, in other schools where they're perhaps not, yeah, probably not pushing it as much, and they're just trying to get food on the table. It's, it's probably not as much of a priority. But mm. um, I think our our sort of population in our school is, um, yeah, they're kind of professionals and um, mm. yeah, like looking to for their child to do the best that they can. And mm. um, so there is a bit of pressure there, almost like I mean, people say Linden Park's a bit like. The, a private school really it's sort of you know it's the the private of the public schools <laughs> okay. so um there is that slight pressure that you might feel at a at a um a school like a college like pembroke or you know scotch college or something um certainly up there with the results that, that they get too so yeah all right mm. well we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break but in our next session we're gonna talk a little bit about 
your passion, which is music education. And I, and I want to talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, the parents' engagement, how they can help uh, teachers uh, do the best for their children. So we'll be right back here in a couple minutes. Gallipo Foods. Dal 1983 l'IDA australiano nella vendita di distribuzione di una vasta gamma di generi alimentari, tra i quali il prosciutto Spears, dal gusto unico e delicato al palato. Innovazione, professionalità e forte rapporto con dipendenti, clienti e fornitori fanno di Galipo Foods uno dei distributori più grandi, rispettati e premiati in tutta Australia. Galipo Foods, stima, fiducia e qualità. Radio Italia 1 
You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. We're back with Alice Coombe. So in the last session, we talked a little bit about uh, some parent engagement there right at the end. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to get your opinion and feelings on on what you would say to parents. Because uh, you know, as a parent myself, uh, you know, I realize it's my responsibility to raise my own child. But I get a little bit intimidated and a little bit nervous because once they go to school – Mm. I've only got them for like two hours, maybe mm. three a day, mm. you know, mm. and then on the weekends. Mm. So the influence I have over them, you know, isn't as powerful uh, or, or at least in contact hours mm. as the influence that their their peers and their educators have. Mm. So, I mean, what do you how – do, how do you feel about that? What do you think uh, – mm. what would you say to a parent that worries about that kind of thing? I think um, – I mean, if thinking of supporting children, I think the um, the best way you can support your child as they're starting going through the school journey is to just to show interest in their education, and because you're not there all day, and like just asking questions. And if and you know, if we just say those closed questions like, um, "How was your day?" They go good, <laughs> and that's <laughs> the end of the conversation, as mm-hmm. you know. Especially with teenagers. In fact, even with five year olds, they can be like that too because mm-hmm. they forget. So I think it's just teasing out questions from them. So, you know, when if, if your son says, you know, oh, good, you say, what, did you do any writing today? Did you did you draw anything? Did you did you sing a song? Like, you know, get get specific because kids forget. They, mm-hmm. they forget what they did. You know, it's all a blur. It's a long, it's a long day for them. So um, just getting, you know, showing that interest, I think showing time, giving your kids time is one of the best things that you can give them and, and just showing that you're interested in their education and showing if you value their education, they're going to value it themselves. So. So I think that's a really important thing, um, you know, and asking about their homework without being, you know, prying and, and um, trying to do it for them like I see some parents doing, um, but just asking them about it and, and trying to, you know, see if they can do their, their best that they can do um, without actually doing it for them. So just showing interest, I think, is really, and giving them time is really important. Mm. What do you think the best way for a parent to be involved in, uh, as far as supporting a teacher's efforts to to educate their child, I think um, offering to come and help, like being a volunteer, is is a great way. I mean, it's it's great as a parent too. You can come and see a little bit of what the what it's like in the classroom. Um, volunteering with readings, the classic, you know, role for helping um, or with craft activities, going on excursions um, and just showing that you support the, the children and, and not just your own child but the, the other children in the class and, um, and the teacher and um, just, you know, being a bit of a positive support for the, for the teacher and, and respecting their opinions too. If they say that you, you, the child's not ready for um, a certain reading level, then you need to sort of go with that um, and... Um, yeah, just rather than questioning them all the time about about their own sort of knowledge and expertise, I think that that becomes quite draining on on teachers. I think when when parents do that, when they think, well, I went to school, I was a student, so I know a bit about teaching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's the classic sort of thing that people think because they went to school themselves that they know a little bit about teaching, and it's really very quite different on the other side. So well, yeah. I watched Law and Order once, so I'm ready oh, to practice law. So you're a lawyer law. then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah. I wanted—I I could be a lawyer, but I have a conscience, so 
you know, that, yeah, that helped yeah. me back, you know, I, I, you know, but maybe I could get rid of it someday. <laughs> I've done my first aid certificate a few times. I could probably be a doctor, couldn't yeah, I? Of yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> uh, well, um, I know that one of your passions, Alice, is, uh, is music. And I, and I read years and years and years ago uh, that uh, um, we... Uh, uh, I, I, sorry about that. We, we had a little technical difficulty there. But we, I read years and years and years ago that uh, music uh, is tied to your understanding of mathematics, mm. you know, and it, it, it um, fires different parts of your brain. That helps you uh, become a better problem solver. There's all these additional benefits uh, of a musical education rather than obviously just singing. Uh, You know, if you're not if you're not going to become a professional singer, it doesn't matter. You're still gaining a benefit. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean the yeah the benefits of music have been have been known for a while, and I think it's just sort of slow to catch on in the education system in a more formal way in Australia. I think, you know, other countries are doing it so well. Like, we always hear about Finland and their education system, and they're, they're amazing. Um, but um, in Australia, we're still lagging behind a little bit. We've got, uh, we've got our, um, all of our research that's been done, and I've done, I've done a bit of work with Dr Anita Collins, who's a um, professor, a teacher, a researcher, and a writer, and um, she founded Bigger Better Brains, which looks at um, the connections between music education and... Um, um, increasing your, your your brain and um, developing your brain, um, and yeah, so it's been known to um, actually enhance your brain function, uh, to improve the co- your concentration, your memory. Um, MRIs have actually shown that when a, a child or an adult is doing a musical task, it's activating all four lobes of your brain, which is you know there aren't many activities that you could really say are doing that. They might you know activate three but not the full four so um it's yeah it's definitely not something for um just the talented it's 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 um or those that dream of becoming a professional musician it's it's really more about the process and and what you gain from the process of learning music um you know things like self-confidence self-discipline you know a child has to practice an instrument every day that's that takes a lot of discipline to do that I mean, I know from years of nagging my children to do their piano practice, it's uh, <laughs> it's not easy. Um, you know, there's skills such as teamwork, you know, working in a group, working in an ensemble um, with an orchestra or, or a choir. Um, they've got to learn how to, how to work with other people and how to develop tolerance and um, acceptance. And, um, and like you mentioned about maths, that's a, that's a known connection that... Um, the patterns in maths are quite related to the patterns in music. You know, with the notes, you've got, you know, your time signatures, your four-four time, your three-four time. You've got to have a certain number of beats in each bar, and um, it has to, it, it has to add up mathematically. So there's there's a lot of patterning um, in music. And when you say, you know, we've got a verse, chorus, verse in, in most most modern songs these days, there's a pattern there. So there's there's all these correlations between. Between the maths and the um, and the music, um, and I think one of the really nice things about music too is, apart from all the brain stuff, is just what it does for your well-being. You know, we all know that we can we feel a bit down sometimes. We put on a song and it can cheer us up, or it can remind us of a happier memory and um, it's something that we might do to calm ourselves down or to get ourselves pumped up when we're going out. You know, it has a huge impact on our lives. Um, it's you know it's all around us as as you would know Matt you know that it's 
it's an incredible thing. Um, and um, so, yeah, I, I, I like being at the, at the beginning of a child's life when you're just setting them up for a lifelong love of music mm. and exposing them to lots of different genres so they can work out what their interest is, what their musical style is that they relate to. Yeah. That's wonderful. <clears throat> I tell you, that's that's some powerful stuff. Mm. And, and you can feel and hear uh, the passion in your voice talking mm-hmm. about it, and we're really... Uh, lucky to have people like you uh, oh, looking you. out for our kids. I, yeah. I personally appreciate it. Thank you. And the work you do. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take another quick break, and we're going to be ba- right back here with Alice in just a few moments. Our independence is everything. Brazier Mobility has been creating independence for people for over 30 years. Brazier Mobility specialises in tailored vehicle solutions to keep you active, ensuring your vehicle modification suits your needs, offering you unlimited freedom. Brazier Mobility boasts a team of highly skilled technicians working in a state-of-the-art facility located here in South Australia. No compromises are made when it comes to client satisfaction. Call them for a friendly chat on 1800 Brazier or visit their website braziermobility.com.au Brazier Mobility, creating independence. G'day, I'm Bevo and I'm downtown and tune in Wednesdays from 7 to 8pm for the number one NBL1 Central Basketball show you'll ever tune into. We are the Hoopsters. That's right, downtown, 87.6 FM, Radio Italia Uno, tune in, 7 to 8 Wednesdays. Romeo Foodland, al servizio della comunità da oltre 30 anni, con onestà, cortesia e professionalità. Prodotti locali e importati di alta qualità, prezzi imbattibili. Antonio, Lisa, Romeo e figli ringraziano la clientela e mi invitano a visitare i loro supermercati, incluso il negozio organico di Nord Edalaide, dove riceverete gratuitamente i consigli della naturopata. Romeo Foodland, da valore alla tua famiglia. Specio, pasta Mannucci in diversi formati, 500 grammi, 1 dollaro e 19. Tonno sole mare, 185 grammi, 2 dollari e 49. Passata di pomodoro Siena, pelati 8 betti, 400 grammi, 89 centesimi. Formaggio Trinacria, pecorino o parmigiano, 16 dollari e 99 al chilo. Pani affettato Perry, 800 grammi, 2 dollari e 99. La Romeo Foodland Study... Croydon, Roswara, Campbelltown, Salisbury East, McGill, Ross Trevor, Ethelstone, Lockleys, Moyes Online, and Port Adelaide. You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. We're back with Alice Coombe, educator at... Uh, Linden Primary School, as well as the University of South Australia. Um, And we've talked about a lot of great stuff today. Uh, And I just want to point out uh, that we really appreciate you being here. And uh, in the last part, uh, the last uh, couple minutes, I talked about how uh, we're lucky to have people like you. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later. But what would you like the listeners to carry away with 
uh, from today's uh, show that they can do to support teachers uh, to help uh, help you create better citizens and, and better people. Mm, okay. Well, I think um, getting them encouraging children to take up a musical instrument. I was going to say, mm, okay. <laughs> you know, like you know, mu- music obviously is my passion. So mm-hmm. you know, encouraging music um, and uh, understanding the benefits of it, and um, and and just understanding that it's not about the final product; it's about the process, just like in any other learning area. It's 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 the process, um, and. Um, you know, learn an instrument, join a choir. Don't worry if they're not very good. You know, it doesn't actually matter. It's more about the the um, the other skills that I've talked about before that they're going to learn through it. You know, the social skills and the confidence. And I mean, I've seen kids that are struggling in the classroom, and then they come to music, and they suddenly they shine. And it's just such a beautiful thing to see them come and, and, and they, they might, you know, be struggling in literacy, but they come along and they have this beautiful singing voice and, and it's just amazing to see that. And the teachers don't believe it when I tell them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and I think, you know, I think it's really important to understand that kids can really find their tribe with with music um, and, um, you know, joining an orchestra or a band or required, you know, they can find their people and that can really make a difference to their well-being. Um, so I think music has a massive impact on, on children and on their education and all, all areas of their curriculum. So I think it shouldn't be seen as a subject that we do if there's time. It should be a core subject. Um, that would be my hope for the future. Um, yeah, that probably sums it up. Well, I think you've taught some parents uh, some great stuff, uh, especially in, in just that last couple minutes about mu- the importance of music, and I think you've made a lot of kids happy because uh-huh. they'd rather be in in uh, <laughs> in choir than uh, doing uh, uh, long division. Oh well, yes, of course. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> so that's that's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Well, again, I, I want to thank uh, Mark Aston for paneling for us today, and. I want to thank our listeners for being with us again today. And again, I really want to thank Alice Coombe for being here and choosing a noble profession and and doing it with style and grace and uh, with passion. So thank you again, Alice. We really appreciate uh, you being here. Oh, you're welcome. Pleasure. as As always, I'm going to leave you all with a brief inspirational message. And we're going to talk a little bit about a teacher. She was born to poverty. By age five, she was nearly blind. At eight, her mother died of tuberculosis, and her father deserted her and her two siblings. One of her siblings was sent to live with a relative. She and her brother, however, were sent to a poorhouse. Four months later, her brother died of tuberculosis as well. She had three more failed eye operations. The poorhouse she was sent to had so many reports of cruelty, sexual abuse, and even cannibalism that an investigation was launched by the man who started Perkins School for the Blind. When he came to the school, she begged him to let her go to his school. He let her in. She didn't fit in. Regardless, she graduated first in her class. She learned finger speaking and had several more eye operations to improve her vision. Upon graduation, she became a tutor for a seven-year-old girl who had lost her sight and hearing at 19 months. The child was undisciplined and had no way to communicate, 
After months and months of effort, there was no progress at all in communicating with the child. Eventually, a breakthrough. Later, the child, Helen Keller, became the first deaf, blind person to receive a bachelor's degree. At 22, Helen Keller wrote her autobiography. 140 years later, it is still in print in over 50 languages. She wrote 13 more books and also founded HKI, which combats blindness in 22 countries. Helen co-founded the ACLU and was an early backer of the NAACP. Helen and her teacher, Ann Sullivan, were involved in women's suffrage, labor rights, disability rights, and promoted world peace. Helen was awarded the highest civilian honors available in Brazil, the Philippines, Japan, Lebanon, and the United States. She was nominated multiple times for the Nobel Prize. Many universities, like Harvard, gave them both honorary degrees. They befriended presidents, first ladies like Eleanor Roosevelt, actors like Charlie Chaplin, and authors like Mark Twain, who called Ann Sullivan the miracle worker. They teach us that it doesn't matter where you start out, it's where you end up that matters. Would anybody truly believe that Ann Sullivan, a poor, blind orphan girl, would go on to directly and indirectly inspire millions as well as help millions more through her activism? Would anyone really believe that decades before women could even vote, that a blind and deaf seven-year-old girl named Helen, who could not behave or even communicate, would later be found to have the same IQ as Albert Einstein? We also learn to ask for what we want without fear. What if Anne, as a young child, hadn't begged to be educated? Both she and Helen Keller would lie in obscure graves, and all their contributions would have been lost. We are also reminded that one person can make a big difference in someone else's life, and that person can go on and make a big difference in other lives. Finally, we are reminded that there are two kinds of people in the world— one who will give up on themselves, and then there's the kind who do believe in themselves and others, who will try even if they and others think all is lost, and will not give up on what they think is best for themselves and for their fellow man. The question is, as always, which one are you? <laughs>